This episode is brought to you by DeSanto Propane. DeSanto has been serving the energy needs of upstate New York since 1937. They're a fourth-generation family-owned business that has prioritized dependability, reliability, and integrity. If you have energy needs, call DeSanto and tell them we sent you. Visit DeSantoPropane.com to learn more. And by the Fox family of dealerships on Route 5 in Auburn. Check out their vast inventory of new and used cars by visiting FoxDealerships.com. From FingerLakes1.com, I'm Josh Durso, and this is Inside the FLX. Today, I am joined by Jeff Shipley, president of the Seneca County Chamber of Commerce. Earlier this week, he announced his candidacy to succeed longtime Assemblyman Brian Cole in the 131st District. He was the second Republican to announce his candidacy. Manchester Town Supervisor Jeff Gallahan is in the race, and he will be on the program next week. Uh, but today, we focus on Jeff Shipley. Jeff, welcome to the program. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Josh. It's a pleasure. Uh, so a couple minutes ago, you called the last week a whirlwind. And I would imagine for many, many reasons, uh, talk about that, talk about what went into making the decision for you to uh, decide that now is the right time to run. Well, yes. Uh, so the decision, uh, well, first of all, for the seat to open up uh, a little bit on the uh, unexpected side, I think, in terms of the timing. So that always factors into things for sure. Uh, but this seat is something that I have always had in the back of my mind. I have um, been a lifelong uh, resident just about of the district uh, for many many years uh, now I have been in a position that I have been a strong advocate especially for our business community I have a background of experience that I think all melded together to form the person that I am and so it was something that I had been thinking about for for quite a while uh, in the back of my mind when the time was right. Mm -hmm. And uh, just so happened that the seat opened up and, you know, these you, you have to I'm a firm believer that you have to grab grab these these opportunities uh, when they arise. And that's what I'm what I'm going to do. And I'm prepared to to lead this fight into the future and, and be a wonderful representative, uh, the strong uh, representative that our that our uh, 131st district needs. When you talk about it being the right time, obviously with Assemblyman uh, Colt not seeking another term, that's sort of the, the obvious benchmark that comes to mind. Um, but when you look at sort of uh, how long you had to sort of actually sit down and think about, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? What was that sort of time frame like and, and how did you process that with you and your family? Yeah, the first, so you just hit on it. The first, the, the first thing I did was consult with my family. I have a wife of three years, Abby. And, you know, this is not for the faint of heart. Uh, politics is not for the faint of heart, certainly. Uh, but the time commitment uh, that it would require is uh, certainly uh, something that we had to weigh. And uh, I had to weigh that with my family. I had to weigh that with my position. Uh, obviously, I am the president of the Seneca County Chamber of Commerce. So uh, that also factored into the equation. It's a job that I love. Uh, it's a it's an organization that I strongly believe in. I think it's a fierce advocate for the business community in Seneca County and, and others uh, with our membership. Um, so I had to weigh a couple of uh, a, a real forces there. And um, I have been just thrilled and amazed and humbled 
by the support that I've received from not just friends, uh, but also uh, family and, and uh, my employer as well. So, so it was something that uh, there, was, there was a bit of time that, that had to be uh, put into this decision, and I did not come about it lightly. Uh, when you look at your campaign and when you look at the, the race and how it's most likely going to shape up over the next several weeks and several months, what are the core issues that sort of are, are at the top of the heap? Obviously, there are a ton of issues, but what are sort of the, the ones that are most paramount for the, the district? Yeah, well, first and foremost, given my background in economic development, business growth, I think establishing fighting for a better business climate is at the top of my priorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a, in a state that is considered by many to be the worst tax climate in the nation. Uh, it, may, it means that business, uh, uh, the business climate, the uh, ability to create economic growth and development in this community is few and far between. And uh, so that would be at the top of my list. I think, you know, sitting back and looking at what has uh, been implemented over the last few years, uh, it is clear to me that the state assembly and the state senate and even Governor Cuomo is really being influenced heavily by downstate interests, New York City progressives to be uh, specific. And I think over the course of the last year or two, we have really seen progressive policies gone awry. And that is everything from social activism. I mean, I think we can we can get into a nice uh, discussion about what the green light laws mean, what the bail reform means. There are real consequences for these decisions that need to have a strong leader, a strong advocate um, step up against that, push back against that. Um, We deserve that uh, for our community. And then, you know, some of the other ones, I am a staunch supporter of the Second Amendment, and that has certainly been an issue that has been in the crosshairs of progressives over the last specifically over the last year. Uh, So that would be one. And, you know, a few local issues as well. Uh, I think our our veterans are deserving of the utmost respect and uh, dignity. And I am really um, interested in helping carry forth the message of turning the Sampson Veterans Memorial Cemetery into a state cemetery. Mm -hmm. And so that is another issue on a on a local level that is uh, very near and dear to my heart and one that that I think we uh, owe it to our veteran community to establish. And through your work, one of the one of the other topics that that I thought of while you were just rattling off some of those issues um, through your work with the county, uh, it's been interesting to sort of see how this debate currently around Medicaid and how sort of the the funding gap is going to be made up. And it, it appears as though at this point that Counties are going to have to bear a lot of a lot of the burden on that. Um, when you look at, at sort of those types of issues and how they kind of keep stacking up, um, why do you feel confident still that you will be able to go to Albany and and you know fight against it and make progress at the same time? Right, because well, for for one thing, we absolutely have to have a strong, dynamic voice. Uh, in opposition to some of these policy changes. And you hit on a a very uh, big issue concerning all of the counties across New York State right now, and that's Medicaid. And I think there is a rampant uh, room for reform in in Medicaid right now. And there are some real 
concerns I have with the proposal. Certainly, it is going to be not only felt by the counties, but it is ultimately going to be felt by the taxpayers. And that's really at the uh, end of the day, my first and foremost concern is keeping more dollars in the pockets of hardworking taxpayers in this in this community, in this district, and across New York State, particularly upstate. And so when you ask me why uh, I believe that I would be a, an effective advocate in Albany, it's because I've been there. I've, I've been in this system. I actually worked in Albany. I was a legislative staffer for a number of years, for a couple of years, for a couple of legislative cycles. Uh, but I've done it. I've done it at the state level. I've done it at the local level, certainly, but I've done it at the state level. And that's something that I feel very proud of. We have grown our local business community presence in the Seneca County Chamber of Commerce. One of the goals that I had was not just to be their voice, not just to make their voice heard in Albany, but make it respected and influence some of the, th the decisions and policymaking that's coming out of Albany. And, and believe it or not, uh, Seneca County Chamber is one of the, uh, the leading voices when it comes to uh, pro-business advocacy coalitions across the state. So I believe that I have a track record of success. I've proven the ability to communicate a message, bring that message forward, and I've worked at the highest levels uh, here in Albany. So I, I really think that is what sets me apart and makes me uh, a, a very strong leader for the residents of the 131st seat. And you mentioned it. Your, your experience, obviously, with the chamber is pretty paramount, I think, in this whole process because it would seem as though you would be better equipped than most to be able to identify where the opportunities are, not not just necessarily to sort of point out what's wrong, but to also say, these are the things that are working really well, and these are the things that aren't working that well. Um, is that part of sort of the approach of what you want to do if you're given the opportunity? Well, it has to be. I mean, first and foremost, uh, I think this district needs, and all of upstate for that matter, but needs a strong voice to advocate on behalf of upstate. Upstate is very different than downstate, the downstate region in New York City. I think I don't have to tell you that, yeah. um, but it is a, a, a point that needs to be driven home in Albany, in those legislative chambers. And so while I think part of this position and part of this role is to push back against some of these damaging policy decisions that are being made, really setting a dangerous precedent for upstate uh, in particular. But I also think, yes, absolutely, there needs to be an area that you are able to find common ground. And I've been able to do that at every single role that I've been in. And uh, I, I feel that I, I, all of those issues are what pool together to make me such an attractive candidate. And to that end, when you uh, when you look at the dynamics and sort of the makeup of the 131st, um, particularly when we're talking about sort of the, the Ontario Seneca County divide and the split there, um, how do you sort of market yourself to those voters in Ontario County who obviously are going to uh, outnumber those in Seneca, but then also know uh, any uh, any candidate at that point from Ontario County better than maybe those from Seneca County? How do you sort of wade through that and what's what's the the pitch to those voters or how do you start that conversation well certainly well first of all um, I'm one of them uh, I am a taxpayer I am a homeowner uh, I am someone that um, has the same issues that they are facing and stepping back 
Um, my experience in Ontario County is almost as extensive as my experience in Seneca County. Before, prior to being the uh, president and CEO of the Seneca County Chamber of Commerce, uh, I grew up in Geneva. I went to school in Geneva. I went, graduated from Geneva DeSales High School. I went to school at FLCC, uh, Finger Lakes Community College. I worked for Ontario County's Tourism Bureau as the Director of Communications. So I've been all throughout Ontario County. I have great connections throughout uh, Ontario County to this day. I understand full well what the, what the challenges are, what the opportunities are in Ontario County as much as I do in Seneca County. So, and, I, and I don't think um, uh, as well that we have all that many differences. There is a number of areas that both of the constituencies in Ontario County and Seneca County uh, can relate to one another. We are all facing the same public safety concerns from something like bail reform. Uh, we are all facing the same concerns to the attacks on our Second Amendment rights. We are all facing the same challenges and concerns of economic growth and, and anti-growth policies to that extent. And we are all facing the same out-migration concerns in Seneca County as well as Ontario County of people leaving, of people moving out of this area because they just can't make it work here. They can't afford to live in New York State. And that's a real problem uh, for me. And that's one of the real reasons that uh, I, th I feel so strongly about bringing this message forward to the rest of our constituency. I'm glad you brought that up because it's a census year, and yeah. obviously, there, there, if you are elected, there would be the the data would essentially drop mid midterm for you. Right. Um, what do you think if, if the the declines that we've seen over the last five, six, seven years, uh, if they continue or if they have increased through this this most recent cycle, um, how do you think Albany should respond, or or how do you, what would that advocacy look like so that? the divide between upstate and downstate, where there's presumably still an increase in, in overall population, doesn't continue to further and, and get wider. Well, right. Well, since 2010, I believe, I think we've lost a million residents, actually more than a million residents in New York State. I think it is a problem that is affecting our state throughout the regions, uh, upstate as well as downstate. The out-migration issues are affecting uh, downstate as well. Um, and I really believe that the core of the matter is how our tax and spend policies are in New York State. If we can address the root of the cause, I think that's going to stem the tide. It's going to prevent uh, those folks from thinking twice about moving to New Jersey and Pennsylvania. You know, our governor uh, has famously come out and accused the weather of being a culprit in maybe why people move out of the state. But the matter of fact is people are moving to Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Um, that's a real problem. When your dollar goes farther in those two states, which are borders of New York State, than it does in New York. And we have got to solve the financial, the business uh, uh, a climate that is conducive to business growth and development here if we are going to be any bit successful in stemming the tide about migration. So I do think it is a major concern. I think we're going to see soon 
what the census numbers dictate. And I do not expect that to be positive news. And I think that is what we have to continue to hammer in Albany. We have to continue to bring that message forward of making a business-friendly environment, a place that people want to come to live and work and raise their family and do business in. And we have to provide them with the tools to be able to do so. It's hard right now to have a conversation about economic development without uh, at least mentioning and asking your thoughts on on the Cherry Bundy situation and how that sort of unfolded. Um, obviously, now that you're running in the 131st, it is completely relevant, but it, it sort of speaks to some of the issues that a lot of folks have had with the way economic development has been uh, played uh, for the last five or so years. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that individual situation and how does that translate to the, the bigger picture? Well, first of all, the loss of Cherry Bundy is obviously a big one for not just Geneva, but also Seneca County, also Waterloo, Seneca Falls, also Canandaigua and Victor. Uh, That's something that I have uh, embraced. That philosophy is one that I've been trying to bring forward in my message as president of the Chamber of Commerce. We are all in this together. So something that affects one of us affects all of us. And so it was disappointing, to say the least, to see Cherry Bundy closing its operations and moving uh, moving out of state. It is not unexpected. I think we just got done talking about some of the reasons why that could have happened. And it does make sense from a operational standpoint to go where the uh, products, uh, their, their, their resources, their raw materials are, are going to be a little bit easier and more accessible. But if we had a situation, a, a an opportunity to nurture that business, provide it with the environment that they need to succeed and to grow and to reduce their costs of doing business, I think that would have been a different story. I don't know that we'd be talking about Cherry Bundy leaving today. Uh, So uh, it is a, a situation that I think Um, demands our attention as a region, as a state, uh, to to stand up and say enough is enough. When are we going to get the message that if you don't make it easier to do business here, you are going to have no business here? And that's, I think, the biggest message that we have to uh, move along. As you were talking about the uh, economic development policy, so I sit on the board of the Seneca County Industrial Development Agency. It is an economic development arm for the Seneca County community. Uh, I will tell you that the programs in place from the IDA are standard programs that are set up across the state and they are incentives, let's make no mistake about it, but it is unfortunately the situation that we are forced with if we are to lure a job manufacturer that brings in healthy amounts of uh, activity for communities. So it is unfortunately the game that has to be played at this particular point in time, but I would love to see uh, the beginning of a new way of thinking towards economic development, and it starts with our tax uh, our, our tax policies. Mm-hmm. And sort of to that end, it, fall, it usually sits right next to it, the, the infrastructure question, the infrastructure question, especially for upstate and some of the more rural communities um, in the 131st. Where does infrastructure sort of fall in, in the, the lineup of concerns that you have when you look at the district and you look at how Albany is sort of behaving in terms of where it's allocating funds? Well, it is certainly a major concern. I can, I can absolutely tell you that. Um, I think if you, you know, if you look at 
what is the role of government? What is the role? What should be the role of government? I mean, first and foremost, to protect its citizenry. I think the bail reform laws and the green light laws are doing anything but protect uh, the public safety. And there is documented cases. Your Finger Lakes One has reported recently on one example of where bail reform failed our community. Um, So public safety, I think that has been uh, or nearing an abject failure right now with some of the policies out of Albany. So public safety, providing services that uh, individuals cannot pr- cannot do on their own. And I'm talking there about infrastructure development, keeping our roads free uh, from uh, problems, uh, ha- having a adequate water line, sewer line in some cases, broadband. I think broadband does not get enough attention uh, statewide, especially downstate, because most people have very good broadband. I come from an area here in Seneca County where if you travel very far to the south, you are going to be very few and far between where your broadband uh, actually uh, comes into play. And that is a problem not only for uh, the infrastructure development needs of our community, but it is also a problem for our competitiveness. And that is something that I would like to see addressed um, with more fervor than what it is right now. So I absolutely agree with you that infrastructure is an, uh, a, a top priority or should be a uh, more of a priority than it is given. I think the system that we have for economic development in the, in, in the state sets up winners and losers. And I think that is an unfortunate situation as well. Uh, That's another area where there are monies available for infrastructure improvements. But as we know here in Seneca Falls, the third time was the charm for Seneca Falls. But there is a, a, a situation where winners and losers are pitted, communities are pitted against each other. And I don't believe that that is the best way to address infrastructure needs or economic development. And to that end, uh, among the different sort of uh, industries that are struggling, uh, the ag industry is probably struggling most notably in some of the more rural communities, um, more down in the southern tier, but that, that the, the effects of that are, are real here in the 131st too. Um, speak to us a little bit about sort of what you've seen in your role in the, in the chamber and, and what you would like to sort of see change at the same time to, to maybe make things a little more conducive for those folks on that side. Well, let's start with uh, first and foremost in, in, the, in the agricultural community. Let's start with the Farm Labor Act. The Farm Labor Bill was something that was put in place last year. The effects are not going to be known fully until next year. But I can guarantee you farmers in this community are bracing for the economic impact of that particular piece of legislation. And what it does, among other things, is it mandates overtime pay for farm workers. It sets in in terms of when the schedules of these folks can work are. It allows them to unionize. Um, These are all things that the farm labor bill, and by the way, this farm labor bill was sponsored in Albany by a senator and an assembly person from downstate New York, and in particular, Queens. The borough of Queens is what sponsored the Farm Labor Act. I don't know about you, but I don't know that I would consider Queens to be a haven for farm or farm activities. 
And so I think it's a problem when downstate interests are dictating what upstate farmers are going through. And so we have heard from farms, the farm community out there that this is something that they are really uh, looking at as a uh, potential uh, negative impact on their business. And we're seeing it time and time again with other industries, but in particular the farm and ag industry. I don't think the farm labor bill was the right one uh, at, the, at, at this time to implement. Um, and I don't know that any farms in this community, and by the way, agriculture is the top industry in both Ontario County and Seneca County, and I don't believe that any of those farmers were consulted or had any input on this farm labor bill. So that's a real problem. Uh, I think what you're going to see, and here's uh, some recent news, is the uh, wine industry is faced with an overproduction, the overmarket saturation of product in the marketplace right now. And I think those forces have a very real impact on what the future of the Finger Lakes wine industry is going to be. I think you're going to see uh, margins for these wineries drop as the price of wine falls. I think less people are uh, drinking or consuming wine beverages, which is all adding up to bad news for our region in particular. Um, and we need to give these agricultural uh, farmers every benefit of the doubt in terms of helping them succeed. And we have to put pl uh, programs and policies in places that address the issues rather than complicating the issues and adding to their frustrations. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, one of the other categories of, of issues that have been incredibly high profile uh, in this district over the last three, four, five years, uh, environmental ones. Uh, so whether we're talking about HABs, whether we're talking about landfills, whatever the case may be, the, the environment, the, the local resources that we have, the natural resources uh, always tend to be front and center. So uh, talk to us a little bit about what your mindset is and what your approach is in terms of being able to continue some of the protections that already exist and then also uh, be able to continue advocating for the natural resources that we do have here. Well, first and foremost, I don't think there's any one of us, Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative, that is not in favor of protecting our environment and having a, a better place to live and make sure that it is uh, a, a place that our children and their children and their children are able to uh, benefit from years to come. So. Um, we are all united in that, uh, and I, that is not going to change. We have a common uh, cause to rally behind, certainly in the Finger Lakes region. You do not have to tell me what a pristine, beautiful place that this is to be, live in, and work in. I've spent a uh, majority of my life in promoting this area as a destination for others to come and to visit. So uh, our lakes are probably the most important resource that we have here in the region. I think water in general, I think if you look across the country and to see some of the droughts uh, that have popped up over the past few years, you know that water is a valuable asset for uh, New York State and particularly the Finger Lakes region. And that will continue to be a priority of focus in terms of my uh, my position on the assembly is to do everything we can to make sure we are protecting those lakes, protecting those watersheds, and keeping that valuable natural resource here in the Finger Lakes alive and well for future generations. All right. 
Uh, where can folks learn more about your campaign at the moment? So right now it's a Facebook page. I would okay. I would uh, uh, urge all your listeners and viewers to go to uh, ShipleyForAssembly.com. We're, we're temporarily down, but it will be up uh, very soon as we work through our our campaign uh, staffing here. So uh, we are excited to hit the ground running and I'm going to be out and about uh, in the communities looking forward to meeting with folks and, and hearing what's on their mind, hearing, um, bringing my message forward. And that's really what I am uh, most interested in doing of showing them why I, I am the best and strongest candidate to lead the 131st Assembly District in Albany. And I will work every day as hard as I can for uh, the constituents and, and the residents and the taxpayers of this community to bring their message forward. Jeff, appreciate the time as always. Look forward to having you back too to continue this conversation. Thanks, Jess. Thanks for joining us this hour on Inside the FLX. I'm Josh Durso and we'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, download the FingerLakes1.com app to have the latest local breaking news, alerts, and podcasts delivered right to your hand each and every day. Follow and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy the program and can support us, head over to Patreon.com slash FL1 to pledge monthly support. If you have an idea for a show or simply want to let your voice be heard, drop us an email or leave us a voice message by visiting InsideTheFLX.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you back here next week. Thank you.